0: 10-5, touchdown, Arkansas State. Culver is safe. The Red Wolves have walked it off. Almir, coast to coast, lays it home with the right hand, and he's
1: fouled. Welcome to the Second to None podcast, the A-State podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo.
0: And we welcome you once again to the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Matt Stoltz, Brad Bobo with you as it is officially fall. We've reached November. The weather getting a little bit cooler. Uh huh. It actually felt a little bit like football weather over the weekend in Mobile.
2: It did. And like, I mean, and that's all well and good. Essentially, if you were in the state of Arkansas, I'd say the weather was about the same as it was in Mobile, which is fine. I mean, I'm glad I didn't go there all excited about spending the weekend on the Gulf Coast because that would have ultimately been disappointing, both from the standpoint (laughs) we never saw the Gulf Coast and the weather wasn't suited for it anyway.
0: It really wasn't, but it was still Mobile and some good things to do there, including eating good seafood we'll talk about that coming up here in just a little bit but the Red Wolves in Mobile over the weekend taking on South Alabama the Jaguars winning the game 31 to 13 but when we recap this one we're really telling a tale of two halves because it was a completely different football game from about the middle of the second quarter on and it was just an absolutely nightmarish start for the Red Wolves it couldn't have started any worse than what it did the other night South Alabama scoring touchdowns on its first four drives of the game it was 28 nothing with a little over six minutes to go in the second quarter and the fourth touchdown that they scored it was 70 or 80 yard drive it took just two plays and it seemed so easy and to be honest, I was probably thinking the same thing. A lot of our fans were thinking at that point, "How bad is this going to well, get?"
2: Well, you you and I were talking about it on the way back from the airport Saturday night. At that point, you know, it's looking like a name your score special. You know, honestly, like it was going to get embarrassing. It's twenty eight nothing, and like I said, the twenty eighth was just two plays we had seen earlier. You know, where they could have kicked a field goal and didn't. They had no fear about sending the offense back out there and going for it on a fourth down and, and eventually moving the chains and scoring. I mean, it, through you know, 15 minutes of the first quarter and, you know, nine of the second, uh, it was looking like it'd be as bad as humanly possible.
0: So it's 28 nothing. little over six minutes to go in the first half, and A-State finally gets its first highlight of the day on a kick return for a touchdown by Allen Lamar. Diego O'Hardo gets the kick away, high end over end. Lamar will return it from the goal line. Out across the 10, 15, 20. Breaks a tackle across the 25, cuts right across the 30. Lamar across the 40. He's got one man to beat. Inside out territory, and he's going to take it to the house. 100 yards on the kick return by Allen Lamar. And the Red Wolves have their first points of the day with 6.06 remaining in the second quarter. And Allen finishes with 232 kickoff return yards on the day. That was a school record, most in the country this year. So a, a huge day for him. And, you know, also the second kick return for a touchdown this season for Allen Lamar. He also had one against Tulsa. And look, Butch Jones thought. Going into this game, he had a chance for his team to do something good on special
2: teams. They were right. that I mean, not was at the most in the country, he knocked some pretty big names down a peg on that list. You look at that school record for kick returns in the game. I tell you what he, what he really did is he cost Brandon Tompkins one of his spots on the top ten list. Prior to Saturday, Brandon Tompkins was second, third, ninth, and tenth in the top 10 return games in a state history so the palm beach kid palm beach kid is now only on there three times and the cat he knocked out of the top spot some dude named jd mckissick
0: and it was only the second 100 yard kickoff return in school history the other came back in
2: 1953
0: (laughs) so alan lamar congratulations to him big day in the return game but you know the defense gets a couple of stops to end the half you could tell they were starting to gain some confidence but you're still down 28-7 at halftime and when i was looking at the halftime numbers i almost didn't want to read them i mean they were they were so bad but look we've got a sponsorship to fill i've got to read them it was it was 352 to 28 That was the total yard advantage in the first half for South Alabama. They ran 48 plays to the Red Wolves, 18. And in first down, South Alabama had 20 to A-States,
2: 2. Well, I don't know everything about football. I don't know everything about anything. But I would say, typically, if you play a half of football and the other team has more first downs than you ran plays – that's probably not a good thing. That's not a good thing. I would go along with that theory. I don't know if I've ever seen it, <laughs> and I didn't even realize it happened. You just said it, but 21st downs to 18 plays in the first half.
0: Now, the second half was very different than what we saw in the first. Ace State ended up outgaining South Alabama in the second half, 196-72. to They held the Jags to just 72 yards in that second half. First downs were in favor of the Red Wolves in the final 30 minutes, 12-3. to The defense was better than it's been all season long. And I think it really started with the coverage on Jalen Tolbert, who we talked about all week going in. He's, I think, hands down the best receiver in the Sun Belt right now. He had two career games against the Red Wolves – the two previous years and then he had eight catches and two touchdowns in the first half the other day but the Red Wolves absolutely shut him out in the second Mm -hmm. half he didn't have a catch in the second half and it wasn't for a lack of trying to go to yeah
2: and they and they did throw it to him some now if somebody's going to say that the game situation dictate how much they put the ball at risk maybe but they threw it at Jalen Tolbert and a state guard him in one in fact you know you could almost make the case he had a ninth catch And when he made it, Kenny Harris just took it away from him for an interception.
0: Bentley going deep right side. This ball is intercepted by Kenny Harris. He took it away from Tolbert. Kenny Harris will be thrown down at his own 24, but a phenomenal pick by Kenny Harris gets a stay in its first takeaway of the night. Kenny Harris with one of the best plays of the year, just taking it out of the hands of Jalen Tolbert for that INT. And that's his second interception in as many weeks and i think you go back to last year kenny harris was one of the young guys we were excited about he's a second year freshman now he's out of columbia louisiana he was hurt at the start of the year but starting to get quite a few more reps now and and playing some really good football i thought the corners especially from the second corner on did some really good things. And Jarius Ramanick probably had his best game. He had 12 tackles, a couple of pass breakups, and he was the one guarding Jalen Tolbert a good part of the time.
2: Yeah, especially when you go back to the first quarter and Tolbert's second touchdown, he, he's so wide open. And you just, I mean, you're just sitting there, and I know you're thinking it in the booth, and I'm thinking it on the sideline. It's just how? How many times did you hear about this guy in the last week? He's caught seven touchdowns against you in the last two years. If there's one person on God's green earth that should not be running alone in that game, it's Jalen Tolbert. And and so to see it go from that in the first quarter to what they did, two stops to end the half, and at one point, seven straight stops with a turnover in there. Really the, the, the only thing that stopped it was the possession. They got a field goal on and that came on a short field because you didn't recover an onside kick. So, I mean, that's what stopped the string of, of stop of consecutive stops there. So, you know, the outcome disappointed obviously, but you did see a difference obviously defensively for the last about two and a half quarters of that game. And there's no kind of magic sauce in that. I mean, I mean, when, when I asked Coach Jones in the postgame what changed, really the answer was nothing besides the players bought in. He said same players running the same plays. They just kind of bought into what mm. we were doing.
0: They did. And, you know, Jaden Harris got the start at linebacker. He had 12 tackles. Kavon Bennett had a good day at defensive end. He had seven tackles, couple of tackles for a loss, one and a half sacks. He now leads the team with six sacks on the year. Jojo Zugu didn't finish the game. He had injured his shoulder, but Thurman Gethers came in, and he played well. The Louisville transfer at that defensive end spot, and then I thought one other guy that we needed to mention was the De DeTravion Green. He came in at safety and, and made some big plays. He had five tackles, including a pass breakup, and, and Coach Jones was bragging about him in our TV show yesterday. Now, we brag about the defense
2: – the offense never got going. And that's surprising to say. You know, it's not something we thought we'd be talking about. But you go back to the game against Louisiana Lafayette and go into this game, in addition to just not scoring enough times, you know, something that's bit this team the last two games in particular is getting to the red zone and kicking field goals.
0: Yeah. When they did drive into the red zone, they settled for the two field goals. Look, it started up front. The offensive line did not have a good day. South Alabama is good up front, and, and they won that battle at the line of scrimmage. And then it comes down to the turnovers. Anytime the defense got you the ball back in the second half, it seemed like the Red Wolves turned it over, mm-hmm. and it turned into four turnovers in oh, that second half.
2: in the second half. Yeah, and, you know, again, South Alabama, one well, are they best in the country just about in, in getting people to third and long? It's not like they – did anything drastically different. It's just that's what they do, and there's a reason people don't like being in third and long, because there's not a lot of third and long calls that go your way very often, and the Red Bulls had a fumble, three picks. Maddening, but it's it's just almost kind of bless your heart range, is that you had this defense, which has been so maligned, and statistically just getting killed, and Mm -hmm. here they are out there stringing together these stops, and your offense, which is Kept you in some games. Then all of a sudden, you're we struggling. It's just, and I say, bless your hearts for the whole team because they just haven't been able to do what you know what Coach Jones have talked about, play the complimentary football. There was a stretch of it in Tulsa. Early in that Tulsa game, special teams made a couple plays, including, you know, got some scores. Defense was getting some stops. Offense was clicking. And we saw just a glimpse of what it looked like when all three phases were going. And it really hasn't happened since. And so you get to Saturday, special teams tries to get you jump started. Defense eventually sort of gets untracked. And there's just they, the offense couldn't get going.
0: Yeah. It sounds like coach speaks sometimes, that complimentary football, but, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to win all three phases have to be performing well and especially with this team you, you've got to have a good performance in, in each area and yeah the defense the last two and a half quarters gave us some really big positives we haven't seen unfortunately just never got got it going on the offense
2: no again defense and they deserve to be bragged on the way they finish again they're also the same defense that had you down twenty eight nothing, four possessions in. So I mean you gotta take the bad with mm-hmm. the good there. But the the big thing here will just be now can you see any kind of carryover? Because we thought we might see a little bit even coming out of that Cajun game. Excited to see what would the carryover be like, and then the answer was for a while, none. But then it was. So can yep. you can you go back on the field against a really good team? And try to pick up where you left off as opposed to starting from scratch again.
0: South Alabama wins it 31-13. to 13. More to come here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this.
1: The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. So get more control, more convenience, and more peace of mind with your Simmons Bank debit and credit cards. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC.
0: So we spent the weekend in Mobile as the game wasn't the only thing that Happened over the weekend. We fly in on Friday, and you know, as any good Red Wolf does, they head downtown and go to Wenzel's mm-hmm. when they get there.
2: First and foremost, you know, in mobile's a great town, but it's doesn't have everything. Doesn't have Top Golf, <laughs> so I mean, like, and we knew that that was not new news. So we knew that streak was in jeopardy. But we'll get to maybe that in a second. But you're right, A State fans. Used to hitting downtown and going to Wenzel's, so we did the same. And no, you got in on those oysters, that's not really my jam, but <laughs> yes, I, did. I went I did. with the shrimp,
0: I, I had the oyster sampler.
2: Sampler is what well, I went with the shrimp sampler. So you're having all those different kinds of oysters. They brought me a plate that had fried shrimp, grilled shrimp, peel them and eat them shrimp, and bacon wrapped shrimp on it. All right, Bubba, that's right. That's all you have to straight, say about straight that. Straight. It is all I can say about that. It, <laughs> me and that plate went together like peas and carrots.
0: All right. So we go to Wenzel's and lots of great memories there. Just, you know, the, the four straight trips to the GoDaddy Bowl and our fans just filling that place up. So, yes, we did that. That was dinner. There was no top golf, but there was mini golf. Mm-hmm. We, we did that. Me, you, Philip Butterfield, Jerry Scott. Jerry Scott with an improbable ace to hold you off by one stroke on the
2: eighteenth. Improbable, yes. Being generous. Well,
0: you aced it too, yeah, which my, was also improbable.
2: But no, I mean, mine like did you know, off one thing. You know, you didn't have a straight path to get it. You need to take one bounce, get the kick, and go in. That's exactly as I played it. Jerry, gets I'm not sure his eyes were open. I think he just kind of swung, and it starts pinballing around. And the next thing you know, it's it's gone in. By the way, and it didn't even have a hole. The entire to make a hole in one, it was four feet wide. I was aiming at a spot about four inches wide, and that's exactly where it went in. Jerry got it tucked into the corner of about a four-foot wide opening.
0: Yeah, it wasn't your typical mini-golf course. It was inside. It was in the dark, glow in the dark, and it was Halloween-themed. Which was pretty neat, so we had a good time. Well, pirate, doing that.
2: yeah, pirate themed. A lot of pirates, and it just had, and then yeah you know, doubled up on the Halloween stuff. They had a real life pirate and a tramp out there. I didn't tell her that, but I meant really <laughs> the character she was playing.
0: <laughs> so that was Friday night, and then before we head to the stadium on Saturday, you had the idea, and
2: props to my man here. <laughs>
0: As many times as I've been to Mobile, and I've been a bunch, I know that city. He
2: sure does. He never, one time had to type up how to get somewhere.
0: Oh, no. I, I know where I'm going in Mobile. But I had never been to the Dreamland barbecue there. We've been in Montgomery, and they've got one right there in downtown Montgomery. We've been to several times. But this one, we hit it up on the way to the game the other day. And man, I
2: love that place. Yeah. And this is old school Dreamland Barbecue. Dreamland Barbecue. I mean, we walked in, we we were there as the doors opened at 11, smoke was already rolling off the smoker and you walked in thinking, I know I'm going to walk out smelling like this place and that's just fine by me.
0: Yeah. As soon as you open the car door and you're walking up to the entrance of Dreamland, you smell it and... You're hungry. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you. I really wasn't planning on eating that much. And I changed my mind really quick because yeah. I got a whiff of
2: that. You know, and here's the, like, of all, for all the good food, here's the thing that kind of sets it off. And I had already told Philip when we were talking about it Friday night, I said, you know it's good because they put white bread on your plate. Because at Montgomery, when you order your meal, it came out with a piece of white bread on it. Yeah. So that's what I was used to. Well, this was beyond that. First thing they put on the table is a plate, paper, styrofoam plate. Oh, man, I love the paper plates. Styrofoam plate full of white bread and <laughs> cups of sauce to sop it in. Yeah. Now, you know it's good. When when they just bring you their sauce and say, here, sit and sop the sauce up with this bread, you know they're confident in their sauce, and we, that's with good reason. Yeah, Jerry Scott went to town with that stuff. So – we
0: had a full stomach on our way out to the brand new digs mm. on the campus of South Alabama Hancock Whitney Stadium. And look, I was thrilled just to be going to any place other than Lad <laughs> People's, and I know we've got some good memories on the field there. It just wasn't the best place for us to broadcast uh-huh. from, and. We were excited about seeing it in person. We'd seen pictures and, of course, video from games they played over the last two years, but they did a really nice job with that stadium. It's a 25,000-seat stadium. Their video board's one of the best you'll see. I think it was 37 feet tall by 100 feet wide. Just the layout of the stadium, uh, I was trying to remember who said this but somebody said it kind of reminded them of smu
2: yeah i think it was probably robert Spears. yeah robert speer said that which i mean no wonder you're usually not used to stuff he's saying making a lot of sense (laughs) but this is a rare exception
0: uh our booth was fantastic but it it was top notch i think south alabama did a great job on that new stadium and the fact that it's on campus
2: Yeah, to be able to do it on campus, and and unfortunately, you know, they whether it's just the way it turned out or foresight or some of both, you know, they had the room on campus. You know, the back part of that campus was a lot of empty land that the university still had. You know, they started long ago putting their football practice facility there. Now they've yeah. got they've built an indoor kind of pavilion over their practice field there, and, and then this stadium. And it's yeah, it's really. Really nice. I'm not sure what they could have done better, to be honest with you. Uh it's really good. You know, down to little things, and I know we mentioned Spear, but he he talked about this too. But when you walk off the field to go to the locker room, to the visitors locker room, you walk past a women's restroom, a men's restroom, a visiting cheerleader locker room before you get to the visiting locker room. I didn't know they had such things. Yeah. And And so, now why does that matter? Number one, it's just nice. But I didn't even think about this, and it was Dr. Jeremy Swim at Jonesboro Orthopedics and Sports Medicine that made this point. We were down the sideline talking about those little touches. And he said, how key is it, how cool is it to see a women's restroom because how many times do you have your female athletic trainers? And they get stuck with nowhere to go to the restroom during a game. Can't go in the locker room.
0: It's a detail that probably means a lot.
2: Yeah so it's a small thing we're sitting talking about the women's room but it's really cool.
0: I think they did a fantastic job And, and overall just a good trip to Mobile outside of the final result on the scoreboard. Now that was one of many things that were happening last week. One of the things that was really kind of stealing the headlines was the Sun Belt conference and the realignment news and as far as the Sun Belt is concerned, it was a very big week.
2: Sure was. I mean, it, and then I got a chance, of course. You know, we got a chance to talk with Dr. Dampfus. You know, he's serving as the president of the Sun Belt Conference, and so he's in that position in such a unique time. He's actively involved in this stuff, but uh, so we got a chance to you know congratulate him. But I'll I'll tell you this: Keith Gill was at the game Saturday, the commissioner of the Sun Belt Conference, because he had been in Mobile for the cross country championships and we know we'll talk about that in a minute so he stayed in mobile to come to the south Alabama a state football game and i said congratulations and honestly he kind of looked at me funny he's like for what and i said just it, you know it's just been such a good couple of weeks and i told you for somebody that's kind of been around this league since the beginning of it it's it's just been so cool to watch the national narrative as this thing played out Talk about the fact that the sunbelt was going to be dealing from a position of strength. Those were things you didn't expect people nationally to ever be saying.
0: I'll say this about Keith Gill too. It wasn't that long ago. People, no, I'll I, tell you. I, I don't know. I don't know what the feeling was around the commissioner because
2: I was on him, and that's why I, I'm going to. I'll raise my hand. I'm going to say that anyway.
0: And the reason I think mainly with you and with most everybody else was there was just little word out of the conference office you didn't know what was going on over
2: there not a lot of visibility not a lot of availability so yeah they were just kind of floating around and and so and, and a lot of us were you're critical of that so it's another reason i'm willing to now you know, i want to be beyond the fact that it's gone well i want to say it's gone well and i want to give keith gill credit for it because here's what happens and if you want to call this Heck, this could take the place of the rant later, especially in sports, but in general with all social media, we really love to take people in in charge of things and blame them for every bad thing that happens at their thing on their watch. And then on top of that, every good thing happened in spite of them. They caused every bad thing and every good thing happened in spite of them. True. Part of the A-State fan base did that in a huge way to dr dean lee late in his time as the athletic director everything that went wrong in the athletic department was his fault and the stuff that went well happened in spite of him that was a the biggest example i knew of that sort of treatment so i i want to go out of my way to not be that way about keith gill i was on keith gill that he was never very visible and even when he was he didn't really say anything and nobody knew what was going on well now he's been at the helm working with Dr. Kelly Dampfus as the president of the league mm-hmm. and they were at the helm with what's been a really, really good turn of events for the Sun Belt and that needs to be you celebrated and they need to be congratulated for
0: it. They've had a good couple of months and I'll say this too. Keith Gill's been at what? At least three of our games. He's been extremely visible this he year. He would actually
2: would have been at four straight Arkansas State games but he did not come to the game against the Cajuns because he stayed in Boone Working the phones. He was at the App Coastal game the night before. Was scheduled to fly to come out to the A-State Cajun game and stayed in Boone because as conference realignment was unfolding, he couldn't afford to not be at his phone for four hours. So that's the only reason he is. It's the only thing that's kept him from being at four straight Arkansas State games.
0: So Southern Miss, Marshall, and Old Dominion all in now. And... James Madison should be coming very soon.
2: Yeah, there, there's some stuff they've got to do with the le- uh, legislature in Virginia. The way some state laws are written, if you move up a division, so that's there's some kind of that's what they're dealing with, just the red tape there. But yeah, they should be coming and get you to 14 football playing schools. The ads are having a couple of days of in-person meetings in the Sun Belt this week. To, I think, hammer out, you know, start talking about some of the other logistics of how do you make this stuff work with these 14 teams and how you schedule. I think they'll probably even start talking about, you know, what are schedules going to look like in some of the different sports moving forward. And then, you know, there's also a question of when is all this going down? We know they're coming no later than the 23 sports year So the start of the 23 football season.
0: But there's a reason they're putting no later than. That's right. And that, into it, these contracts it, it just, you because can leave it, could, it at that. But it yeah. could
2: be sooner. It, notice that in every case, just look at that wording: no later than July 1st, 2023. Don't be shocked if it's
0: sooner than that. That's right. Good stuff. More to come here on the Second to None podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Right after this,
1: the Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. If your debit card is lost or stolen or you're opening a new account, you can immediately get a new card just by visiting your nearby Simmons branch. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card simmons bank member fdic
0: well a big week ahead for all of a state sports there's a lot going on and as we kind of look outside the world of football here we start with a state soccer the sunbelt conference regular season champions beginning sunbelt conference tournament play wednesday four o'clock in foley alabama They'll take on either ULM or Troy in the quarterfinals. And, of course, the Red Wolves, the number one seed going in. And, by the way, congratulations to first-team all-conference selections, Sarah Sedoma, Haley Cloud, and Megan McClure. Mm -hmm. And second-team selections, Aaliyah Williamson and Emma Riley.
2: Well, congratulations to Brian Dooley, two-time coach of the year. Uh, Megan McClure is the goalkeeper of the year, an award that they just started this year – because it would separate the goalkeepers and the rest of the defense. So now being a goalkeeper of the year meant another position potentially could be the defensive player of the year. Oh, by the way, that's Haley Cloud of Arkansas State. <laughs> Aliyah Williamson is the freshman of the yeah. year in the league. A-State's five all-conference picks. The two super seniors, Megan McClure, Sarah Sodoma. The other three, freshman, freshman, freshman they got it going on over there yeah they're not going anywhere for a while they're
0: they're not and good luck this week to the red bull soccer team as they try to do something they've never done before and that's when the Sundog
2: conference tournament first thing to go try to do is get to the finals and finish it with 11 players and then if they if they can accomplish (laughs) that they will have had a great chance to win that thing for the first time no
0: doubt about that The volleyball team split their two matches this past week. They lost in five sets to the Cajuns on Thursday, then swept ULM on Saturday. Tatum Tickner becoming the fourth player in program history to surpass the 2000 career dig mark.
2: Yeah, Tatum, yeah, I called her Tatum Digner once during the uh, broadcast Thursday night. This kid's really something, the, the, the defense she plays. So the, the a wild match against the Cajuns, both teams came in on four match losing streaks and both had kids flying around on both sides trying to get it. And in the end, that goes 15-13 in the fifth, a match mm. that literally could go either way. Then here comes ULM, which A-State defeated Saturday for the 41st consecutive time. Unreal. What a streak. So 41 straight <laughs> wins over ULM. And as important as anything,
0: the Red Wolves getting back in the win column there so they're now 14 and 11 overall, 5 and 8 in Sunbelt Conference play. They'll be making the Texas swing this week visiting UTA on Friday then Texas State on Sunday. And got to talk about the most recent Sunbelt Conference champions for the Red Wolves, the men's and women's cross country teams.
2: Yeah, how about that sweep which you don't see much, I mean, it's tough. Actually, that same day, I guess it happened in two leagues in the state of Arkansas, teams to sweep it, but it's really just not something you see a whole lot, a state winning the third straight women's cross country title, and Paulina Meyer set the Sunbelt Championship meet record with her time in the 5K. And then the men win it for the first time. They don't produce the individual champion, but they have four of the top eight
0: individually. and all five of their scores in the top 13. So an amazing uh, accomplishment for the men winning their first ever, but uh, really cool to see that track and field success continue to carry over to cross country.
2: Because the godfather of the Arkansas State track and field program is Guy Kochel. The late, great, legendary, yep. the Hall of Famer, Guy Cottrell. Well, you know Jim Patchell was an athlete at Arkansas State during that stretch, and so he understands what A State can be like in track and field. And he's just pushed and pushed to get to that point. I mean, and, and I promise you, they're not satisfied. Like Coach Patchell, he's such a even killed, calm guy but he's ticked off like he just pushes you can't have a conversation with him that you're not going to hear that what he wants to be is a steady top 25 program in the country across the board all the time that's where they're going that's where they're trying to get pushing pushing and pushing and, push and in the process they're just piling up Sunbelt championships along the way so
0: congratulations to the Sunbelt champion men's and women's cross-country teams uh, meanwhile the men's and women's basketball teams are within a week of beginning the regular season they'll open on the ninth and then football at home this weekend taking on a very good Appalachian State team as usual the Mountaineers six and two overall they're three and one in Sunbelt conference play their lone loss in league play was the blowout loss to the Cajuns Mm -hmm. that was In Lafayette, but we know how they responded coming back the very next week and knocking off Coastal Carolina.
2: Yeah, and then uh, just beating the fire out of ULM Saturday in Boone. So they're coming in here rolling, getting votes in the top 25. By the way, Cajuns pop back into the AP top 25 this week at 24. So some about sitting at two ranked teams right now, plus another one getting votes. And uh, we just know. I mean, you know what you get when App State's coming in here—a big physical football team—and uh, it'd be big-time challenge for sure. Yeah,
0: they win at the line of scrimmage, and they're built around that offensive line, which year in year out is, if not the best offensive line in the league, one of the top two or three right there with the Cajuns and you know teams like Coastal Carolina. Which uh, but, uh, oddly built, enough, you keep, in that you, same
2: keep way. Na- you keep listing the names of teams that are at the top of the conference standings as the teams that There's are built a on their offensive line. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's no real magic formula.
0: And then the A State offensive line, I'm sure they're being challenged this week after what happened this past weekend. And you got to go up against a very good defensive front in App State, and they're led by you know maybe the best defensive end in the league in Demetrius Taylor. So. That's another matchup to watch. It is an early kickoff, though, on Saturday. Yeah, for homecoming.
2: and that's a—I don't know if I can remember a one o'clock kick at home. You used to get to the month of November, and you'd see a lot of two o'clock kicks. That's been pretty customary to either November or once the time change. Either way you want to look at it, you shift to no, to two o'clock. So it'd be a little different. You used to kicking at one o'clock on homecoming day.
0: So kickoff at one. Our coverage on. The radio side begins at eleven. You can also see that game on ESPN Plus, but uh, hopefully, good good crowd out yeah. there for homecoming. Only two home games left, and look, this is the first Saturday home game we've played since week two. That was yeah. the Memphis game. Isn't that
2: crazy? And so, uh, maybe this will kind of go into the last word you've got on this rundown here. Look, I understand people got stuff to do and whatever. I, I and I don't I don't want to hear. It. I mean, like if you got stuff, I mean you know what your schedule's like. But if you've just sort of cut bait and said, I'm kind of done and I'll come back when they start winning, stay home even when they start winning. Because if they're going to eventually start winning without you, then they don't need you back when they start winning. So you're right. First time, what, eight weeks, played a Saturday home game. It's going to be Mm -hmm. 1 o'clock. It's homecoming day. I know what the record is. I don't care. They played four Saturdays all year. This is the third one. Don't waste it. Come out, get these guys back, and see if you can't help them shock the league here and knock off App State.
0: Hope to see you Saturday, Centennial Bank Stadium for homecoming as the Red Wolves take on Appalachian State. That's going to do it for us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.